The Battle of Amiens is the most important battle in British history that you've never heard of. It was fought in the summer of 1918 and it came at a pivotal time in the First World War. Uh, the, the stalemate on the Western Front had endured for nearly four years. The Germans advanced into France and Belgium, they'd been halted, they'd dug in deep trenches and bunkers, mounds of barbed wire, pre-sighted artillery, machine gun nests, and the British, the French and others, tried to break through those lines for years on end without much success. You think about the Battle of the Somme in 1916, the Third Battle of Ypres, Passchendaele in 1917. Terrible casualties, no great decisive breakthroughs achieved. Then, Everything changes in the new year of 1918. The Germans defeat the Russians off on the Eastern Front. They move a million hardened veterans over to the West. They need to win the war on the Western Front before the Americans, who've joined up with Britain and France in 1917, can bring their troops in large numbers to the front line. So in the spring of 1918, the Germans launch that vast force against Allied lines. They come close to breaking through the Allied lines, defeating the French, the Americans and the British, but they don't. British troops managed to advance through the German trenches and out into the green fields beyond. The reason why Amiens was such a success was it was the result of a, a unique blending of technology and tactics by the British and their allies. The previous three or four years might have been a brutal, ultimately futile experience, but there had been a powerful learning experience. The British had worked out how to crack the stalemate of the trenches. And that was by using all these different types of weapon systems and marrying them together as one cohesive whole. First of all, they used big guns, artillery. These big guns would take out opposition German guns using intricately created aerial observed maps, plotting all their different positions. But then the big guns would also fire a protective barrage, a, a curtain of high explosive and shrapnel that would advance just at walking pace ahead of the infantry moving behind. This would force the German defenders to keep their heads down, go into their bunkers, go to ground. But by the time that curtain of fire had passed, the Germans would have no time to leap up and man their machine guns because the British and Allied troops would be right on top of them. Then they used tanks, these massive steel beasts with their tracks that could go across the shattered moonscape of the First World War battlefield. They could crush barbed wire, they could cross trenches and other obstacles, and they could take out German machine gun posts because the tank's armoured plating was virtually impregnable to machine gun and rifle fire. The infantry would then advance behind these tanks in, in their shadow, and if they needed help they'd go and ring a little bell on one of the tanks, communicate with the crew and point out an obstacle that they needed to overcome. You also had planes in the skies above. These planes could swoop low, machine gunning and strafing German positions. They could drop bombs on them. And perhaps most importantly of all, they could take back minute by minute accurate accounts to HQ. They could observe where British troops were on the front line, how far they advanced, fly back over HQ, drop a message uh, to the ground. HQ could then receive that message and adjust their artillery or their reinforcements accordingly. Planes could also drop resupply to troops like ammunition or food. The infantry, the individual infantrymen, had also been given a lot more firepower by this stage of the war. In 1914, he'd gone to war with his trusty rifle with a bayonet on the end. Now, that was an accurate, impressive weapon that could fire, well, perhaps nearly 20 shots every minute. But by 1918, an infantryman could carry a Lewis gun, a light machine gun, capable of firing hundreds of shots a minute. He could carry a rifle grenade, so a grenade that was shot off the end of a rifle. Uh, bags, sacks of those grenades bombs they were known as. Uh, they could also carry flamethrowers, so that the infantry were given a lot more firepower and punch, enabling them 
to resolve situations as they came across them. The operation was planned down to the last detail, the troops were briefed, they were armed, they were given a new range of weapons, and they were taught new tactics. It would be a battle unlike the earlier gruesome attempts to break through on the Western Front. Amiens was a dramatic success, but the key point about it is it wasn't the end, it was actually just a beginning. It was replicable. Up and down the Western Front, British and French armies in particular prepared their own versions of Amiens and made a series of punches that caved in the German front line. Throughout August and September, the Germans were forced to retreat ever further back. And the fighting that followed Amiens is known as the Hundred Days, because there are 100 days approximately between Amiens and the Armistice on the 11th of November. It was 100 days which saw some of the greatest battles in British history, but today most of them are overlooked. These battles include the breaking of the Hindenburg Line, the end of September, early October 1918, when British, American and Australian soldiers managed to penetrate the mighty Hindenburg Line, which is probably the most heavily defended, the most heavily fortified piece of, of the German defences on the Western Front. It was a remarkable success. These victories through September and October drove a very simple lesson into the minds of the German High Command. They needed to sue for peace. Their army on the Western Front was on the verge of disintegration their society on the verge of revolution.